When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm going to read you some true stories. How are you this evening? Well, I hope. The weather has finally turned gloomy here in Los Angeles. It feels like a a noir movie, and it has me watching a lot of compilations of ghost videos and paranormal documentaries. It's just that time of year where I want to drink something warm and question reality as we know it. So, let's read some true stories, shall we? This first submission is from Stephen. Here are two stories. One is a time slip, which I know you enjoy. I do. So, when I lived in Pennsylvania, I worked in a restaurant that had a man-only boarding house. One day I am there in the morning getting ready for the day. The male bartender was downstairs. I heard a woman's voice, clear as day, call my name. I look around the corner, which gives an unobstructed view from the back door to the entrance of the boarding house. No one was there. Now, when I first moved to Denver, I had a bit of a hiccup and wound up homeless. It was about 10.30 to 11 o'clock at night. I was walking along the train tracks and went to take some stairs back up to the road. I had a feeling and turned my head right. It was midday and the whole tracks was in sepia tone, like in the old pictures. There were a lot of people working on the rails and a couple trains. Everyone stopped, looked up, and turned their heads towards me. I blinked and was back in the now. You're right, Stephen. I love a time slip story, and that was eerie. I just can't imagine seeing something like that. Thank you so much for sharing. This next submission is from Marie. This happened about six years ago when I was dog and house sitting for my aunt and uncle while they were out of town. It was about 11 to 11.30 at night and I had just gotten into bed. I was laying there and watching a show, True Blood if you were curious, when I heard the dogs start to go completely nuts downstairs. Then I heard a pounding on the front door and a man's voice shout, Sheriff's Department, is everyone okay? I hurriedly slid my feet into flip-flops and grabbed my phone before heading downstairs, through the garage, and out along the side of the house. Had I opened the front door where the deputy was, the dogs would have gone after him, especially my uncle's German Shepherd. He was in full protector mode. Once I stepped outside and made my way towards the front door, I saw the deputy's vehicle at the foot of the driveway. Lights going, but no siren. 
Before I reached the deputy, I called out to him. Hi, can I help you? Good evening. I'm with the county sheriff and there was a 911 call from this address. Is everyone all right? I'm the only person here and I didn't call 911. Everything is just fine. There isn't even a landline here to call from, just my cell phone. I told him my number and when he looked at his notes, he said that that was the number that had called. I repeated that I hadn't called and even unlocked my phone to show him my call history. My best friend, he chuckled at her nickname and my contacts. My aunt, probably a telemarketer or two were there, but definitely not emergency services. The deputy took down my information, suggested that perhaps it was an erroneous ping from a cell tower, and wished me good night. When I went back inside and up to the room I was staying in, I spoke out loud to the ghost in my aunt and uncle's house. That was a good one, John. You got me. Please don't ever do that again. Yep, you heard right. Their house was haunted and the ghost's name was John. When my aunt and uncle returned a few nights later, I told them what had happened and found out that it wasn't the first time. They had lived in that house for over 20 years, and when my cousins were much younger, Calls to 911 from the landline were frequent enough that emergency services told them that they just couldn't keep responding to these calls. At first, my cousins were the prime suspects, but some of these calls happened when they were in school, or nobody was home, or even when the phone lines themselves were down. This is one of the many reasons why the ghost has been dubbed Prankster John. How we know the ghost's name is John is for another story, but I'll tell you a few instances of how he earned the prankster part of his name. A couple of years before that, I had been at the house by myself to help with something and was eating a sandwich in the dining room. All three dogs were stationed at my feet, attention laser focused on my food. From the living room came a quick whistle, kind of like a, hey you, over there. The dogs all snapped their heads over to look into the living room, then turned back to me. Forget mysterious whistles, there was this sandwich situation happening right in front of them. Not long before that, I had been at the house and had bent over to pick something up in the hallway. There was a wolf whistle from behind me and when I spun around, nobody was there. In fact, the only other person there was my uncle, but not only would he have never done something like that, he was in another room entirely, napping in front of the TV. From his spot, he wouldn't have been able to even see me, even if his eyes weren't closed. Last incident before I wrap up this marathon email, I had been outside helping clean up old tiles from where my one cousin had dumped them when he redid all of the floors in the house. It was a little breezy out, as I recall, but not especially windy. There were no trees with low-hanging branches in the area I was working, but something tugged on my ponytail didn't hurt and definitely wasn't malicious, just a quick, playful little tug as if to say hi. I have other Prankster John stories, but they will have to wait for another time. Thank you so much, Marie. That was interesting. I have always been fascinated by like prankster spirits, prankster ghosts, and that was definitely a fun one. This next submission comes from Anna. Hi Shelby, I have a little story to tell you. Not very scary, but still a bit weird. 
So it all started when I moved to a new city and new apartment about 10 years ago. Apartment was okay, but the rent was cheap and it was near my workplace to be. After I moved there, I started noticing some weird things. First, I had two light switches on in my living room, side by side. One of them worked, the other did not. They were those kind of big switches you have to push with your fingers. I woke up in the morning and see that the light switches were in different positions, one on, one off. I have OCD, so no way in hell I would have gone to sleep with them like that. This happened multiple times. I was thinking that either I had a ghost or I was sleepwalking. I was a sleepwalker as a child and scared the shit out of my mom when I walked into the living room where my parents were watching TV and I would sit next to my mom and stare at her silently and all of a sudden start talking gibberish. I had no way of knowing if I was sleepwalking again because I lived alone. Sometimes my TV turned on or off by itself and also one of my paintings kept falling off the wall. No matter how hard I tried to place it firmly on the hook, it always fell off when I was not home. One time was a bit weirder. I came home and saw that one of my candle holders was on the floor broken. I had a big bookshelf and there were many candle holders and other things. None of the other things had moved at all, but this heavy candle holder had moved about four inches over 10 centimeters and then jumped about one foot or 30 centimeters in the middle of my living room rug. Also, the rug was fluffy and soft and still the candle holder was in a million pieces. That was definitely strange. Last and the most spookiest thing was when I woke up in the middle of the night and heard music. I slowly realized that the music came from my old music box. It had been on my bedside table about a year and I had not touched it for a long time. I closed the music box quickly and my heart was beating so fast. If I could, I would have gotten the fuck out of there so fast, but I didn't have anywhere to go. I was so sure I was in Paranormal Activity Finland edition and any second now, something would grab me by my ankles and pull me onto the floor or throw something at me. Nothing happened, but needless to say, I did not sleep at all that night. I still have the music box and yes, it is always closed. So there's my little story. What do you think, paranormal or just things you can somehow explain? My baby sister died when she was just a few days old, but I don't think a baby ghost could be that of a trickster. Maybe my cousin or someone who had lived in the apartment before. Anna also sent me a picture of the music box, so I got to see it myself, and that is really spooky. I don't know what's happening. It could be sleepwalking, but then the broken things and moved things while you're out of the house. Who knows? I'm not sure. What do you all think there at home? I'd love to know. You can comment on Spotify or go find me on social media and let me know what you think was happening to Anna. That was, that was good. Thank you, Anna. This next submission is from Star. In 2018, I moved into the apartment shown above with my, at the time, boyfriend, then fiance. I felt like Snow White as I was the only female living there with seven other men. My boyfriend Mike and I shared one of the two bedrooms in the apartment. No one used the front door shown in the street view screenshots I sent to you 
as it was blocked from the inside, so everyone would walk up the long driveway that wound around the back of the complex to give the tenants access to the storage units, but went just on the reverse side of the front of our unit to our back door that was used as our only entrance of our apartment. When walking up that driveway at night, the super bright spotlight in the front made anyone walking up blind to the side of the complex, between complex and a condemned house, until they were finally on the dark side, and the super bright back porch light had the same effect for people walking from the back to the front. So essentially, the side of the complex was super dark and private, which worked out great when sharing one bathroom with seven men. When I had to pee and someone was in the bathroom, I often ran out the door to the side of the building and squatted, leaning against the building, facing the dark condemned building, and peed there, but only at night. The house next door was condemned before my now husband or I lived there, so we don't know why it was condemned. There was a small patch of grass across from our back door, where we would occasionally smoke a blunt, different from a joint that was just weed wrapped in papers, but a blunt equals cigar emptied of the tobacco that filled the tobacco leaves that made up the wraps and filled with weed instead. Weed is legal in the state of Colorado. One of our roommates hates tobacco smoke, so cigarettes and blunts are always smoked outside. From the grassy area where we smoked cigarettes or blunts, you can see a back door that is boarded up on the condemned building, which is separated by a chain-link fence. Just on the other side of the fence, there is a small creek that peeks out right there. The creek runs under the city in that area, but peeks out at random spots throughout. Now that you have a ton of context, here are the events. First event. After going to a concert with my dad, he dropped me off at home late on a Tuesday between 1am and 2am. He dropped me off on the main street so he didn't have to do a U-turn to get back to driving home. So, I walk down our street until I get to our complex and turn left up our driveway, headed towards our back door. Once I get to the dark side, as we called it, I swear I hear the back door of the condemned house to my left slowly creak open, and suddenly I feel watched as I'm immediately overwhelmed with this disgusting feeling in my stomach, and I wanted to cry and scream at the same time. I felt bursts of terror, dread, soul-crushing sadness, and complete fight-or-flight panic hit me all so quickly I didn't even know which one to react to. I don't know how else to explain it. As my mind is flipping out trying to figure out how to react to all this, Mike comes out and says, Oh hey, I thought I heard your heels walking up. And walks to me and hugs me as a greeting. And just like that, all those sensations disappear. I explain what I experienced to him and he just said, Yeah, a lot of people say that happens. Like it was the most normal thing in the world. After that, if I was dropped off after dark, I made a point to have whomever was driving me walk up the driveway and drop me off in the back so I didn't have to walk on the dark side alone. Second event. As I mentioned, I lived with seven men in a two-bedroom apartment. Since a lot of the guys split up our living room to use as bedrooms, that meant that the bathroom is where they often spent private time with lady company, if you know what I mean. So instead of waiting for sex to end so I can pee or interrupting them by asking them to hurry and make things more uncomfortable, I often just ran out our back door and peed on the dark side. Thankfully, the bathroom was only ever occupied like that at night, so I could conveniently use the bathroom outside when I had privacy because of the night. 
One of the times I went outside to pee, I remember it was just after midnight and I heard that back door of the condemned building creak open slowly again. But since I was leaning my back against our building and facing the condemned house's back door, it was right in front of me. I strained my eyes as hard as I could, and I tried to see if I could make out anything where that back door hidden in the darkness was, when I could just slightly make out what looked like two large red eyes. They were glowing, but not very brightly, just enough to tell they came from that door and had bad intentions. I was once again overwhelmed with that disgusting feeling, but this time I was able to finish up and run back inside on my own. The next day I went outside to that same spot I was peeing in and looked towards the house, and could see that indeed from that angle, if it were lit, I would be able to clearly see the condemned house's back door, and be able to see if it opened inwards, as well as see anything or anyone peeking out from inside the house, exactly where I saw the dim, large, red eyes looking at me, which sent chills running up my spine. After that, whenever I peed on the dark side, I took a little battery-operated lantern with me and only turned it on when I heard the door creak open, which was often. I wish I could have stopped peeing there altogether, but with seven other men all home in the evenings, it was my only good option. Third event. When the cold weather came and it was time to use our apartment's heater, the pilot light was out and we all that lived there except the leaseholder who occupied the master bedroom were told that the only way to light the pilot was to enter into the crawl space accessible through the master bedroom closet and crawl over to where the gas meters were and light it manually. Now let me tell you, when we all went into this master bedroom to see the access point, the leaseholder guy, we will call him Danny, Danny moved the false floor piece in his closet and we all felt chills run up our spines. Nothing but cold air and dread drafted up from there. Only one of our roommates, we'll call him Raul, Raul was brave enough to head down there and light the pilot light. So as we all stood around and sent him down with two flashlights and one of those long grill lighters, he went down and was gone like 20 minutes, which seemed to take longer than necessary. But eventually he came out with only one of the lights we sent him with, and looked so pale that if we weren't expecting him, we would have thought he himself was a ghost. We helped him back up and everybody was asking him if he was okay. He just nodded his head but didn't verbally respond and no one really noticed he left one of the lights under the apartment until it came up a few hours later. I remember that Mike and I went back to our bedroom and spoke about the event and both noticed he didn't speak and he seemed more pale than normal when he came back up. When I went to check on Raul, one of our other roommates stopped me and said he's sleeping and mentioned how he left one of the lights down there and briefly mentioned the same things that bothered Mike and I about the event. Over a month later, Raul wasn't himself after the lighting of the pilot light. He isolated himself and consistently seemed sickly and pale. Needless to say, I was worried about him. One time when we had three other females beside myself over to visit, we all went outside to the grassy area by the chain link fence between our complex and the condemned house next door to the creek that popped up just on the other side of the fence to smoke a blunt. Raul was acting weird and kept shrugging as if he was shaking something off him, like he had a bunch of flies on him or something. No one said anything, even though we all gave each other confused looks and kept passing the blunt when suddenly he said pretty loudly, 
I don't want to go with you. Leave me alone. Then even louder yelled, No! Get the fuck off me! And literally pushed an invisible entity away from him towards the creek. And I shit you not. The direction he pushed? There was first one huge hoof print in the grassy dirt. Then farther back, a second one. Then the chain link fence rattled. Then a loud splashing came from the creek. Even though we all saw the hoof prints happen and heard the loud splash in the creek, no one saw anything. And two of the three other girls that were there besides me took off running and never visited again. The third girl that was there was a frequent visitor, I'll call her Faye. She stayed with Raoul, who after that had a bad fever and was in bed for about three days after that. He started acting like himself once his fever broke, and his color came back as well. But he doesn't remember anything, not even lighting the pilot light, which is strange. Mike and I moved out to a place just across the main street, just after New Year's Day. But we visited our old roommates often until they moved out by April the same year. The hoof marks were still there. After everyone was gone, my now husband Mike and I would still walk through and remember where we first lived together. The hoof prints weren't visible after the first spring, but the indentions were still there. Okay, this next submission comes from Bryce. Let me preface this by saying, this isn't my story. It was my old best friends. We don't talk anymore, but we were very close in high school and the start of college. During this time, I would often pick him up and drop him off from parties since we lived so close together and he didn't like driving. Often, before I dropped him off, we'd sit in my car outside his house and talk about our lives. These conversations would usually become very personal, and I honestly missed them as they were very therapeutic. There's not many things better than a friend you can tell everything. Anyways, during one of these conversations, we shifted toward conversing about our experiences and beliefs about the paranormal. I told him about my bouts with sleep paralysis as a child that I, thankfully, don't experience anymore. I told him about the shadow man I would see during these episodes and how weird it is that so many people with sleep paralysis see the same shadow figure. At the mention of this, my friend got really quiet. I asked him what was wrong and he timidly responded that he had a similar, if not more intense, experience with a mysterious figure. Only his figure wasn't made out of shadow. It was made out of static. My friend began his story by telling me that he suffered from asthma. This surprised me as I had never seen him struggle with breathing or carry an inhaler. He told me that it had nearly subsided to non-existence, but that it was really bad when he was a kid. His first experience with this figure was when my friend was about eight or nine. My friend was watching early morning cartoons alone on a Saturday when his TV suddenly switched to that loud static that old TVs emit when they can't find a channel. My friend tried to change the channel, but it just stayed on the static. As he stared into the TV, he thought he saw movement. He thought for just a moment before it became clear that he was seeing the static from the shape of the head and shoulders of a figure. It had no eyes, but my friend could tell that it was looking at him, and it was malicious. Immediately, my friend felt his breath shorten, and he experienced his first ever asthma attack. 
Luckily, the attack passed on its own, and my friend stood up to see the same cartoon playing, as if the event had never happened. My friend went into detail of several more events of this happening, but for the sake of brevity, I'll just say that over the following year, my friend had these visits from the static man anytime he was alone in front of a TV, and they always were followed up with an asthma attack. It got to the point where my friend refused to even look at a TV. This all culminated to a final event while my friend was on vacation. He and his parents were in a typical hotel room with two queen-size beds, a nightstand between them, and of course, a TV on top of a wardrobe. His parents had already gone to sleep, but my friend couldn't due to the looming TV directly in front of him. As he was finally drifting off to sleep, he was interrupted by the loud noise of static. To my friend's absolute terror, the TV had turned itself on and, of course, my friend could once again see the static man within the mess of white and gray. My friend wanted to scream and wake his parents, but was immediately hit with an asthma attack worse than any before. He couldn't scream. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't move as his world became static. He turned his head to look at his sleeping mother across from him and reached out a hand before his vision began to turn to black. And that's the last thing he remembers before waking up in a hospital bed. His parents tearfully embraced him and they explained that his mother had woken up by what could only be attributed to a mother's instinct. She saw my friend's body limply lying half off the bed and immediately knew something was wrong. After confirming that he was still alive, they rushed him to the hospital where they gave him oxygen and were able to stabilize him. When they asked him what happened, my friend finally gave in and told them everything. To his surprise, they took him seriously. My friend's parents are very religious, so when they got home from vacation, they had a priest bless the home and my friend. While neither my friend nor I are religious, my friend couldn't deny that the visits from the static man immediately stopped. Not only had the visits stopped, but my friend hadn't had an asthma attack or needed to use an inhaler since then as well. I understand this story sounds a little extreme, but my friend told me this during a very vulnerable time when we had an unspoken agreement to tell each other nothing but the truth. I believe him, and it honestly terrifies me anytime I think about it. What was that creature made of static? Why was it hurting a child? Why did it confine itself to TVs? I don't think I'll ever know. Nor do I want to. Thank you so much, Bryce. That... That story gave me the chills. That was really eerie. I, I wonder if your friend was experiencing some sort of sleep paralysis as well. I used to experience it and I didn't ever get asthma attacks, but I definitely felt like I couldn't breathe. That was part of it. And I wonder if that was like his version of the hat man, essentially. And who knows what it actually is, but that is so scary. I can't imagine that as a child. And you know, I remember staying in hotel rooms with my parents growing up, and even though they were in the room with me, I remember being terrified. There was something about hotel rooms that even with your parents in the same room as you, 
It was like I was just convinced that every hotel room was incredibly haunted. And so this is my worst nightmare. This is basically what I always thought was going to happen, but never happened to me, <laughs> to your poor friend. And um, yeah, I, oh, anyway, watch out for the static, man, everyone. Do TVs, TVs don't do static anymore, do they? Maybe that's, maybe that's for the greater good after things like Poltergeist and this story. <laughs> And our last submission of the night comes to us from Danielle. You brought to life the horrifying tales of both my parents on past true horror episodes, and now I think it's time for me to open up and share my true horror story with you. At age 11, my little brother was brought into my world. You can say that I was not a huge fan of a new baby in the house. I was a bit of a spoiled brat at the time. For the past 11 years, I was the baby. It was during this time that I began to somewhat isolate myself. I was trying to grasp the idea of what it actually meant to be a big sister. All I knew was that I dreaded the idea. Everything was now going to change and I had to grow up whether I wanted to or not. I truly believe it was my negativity and fragile state of mind that invited someone or something in. It was during this time my mom purchased a brand new rocking chair for when it was feeding time for my infant brother. I remember this chair like I just sat in it yesterday. It was made of wood and the pillows were a light blue with tiny white specks. It was the most hideous thing, but oh was it comfy. My mom had placed it in our living room so everyone could have access to it. Funny how I think my dad was the one who enjoyed it the most. He would relax and rock in it before he left to work the night shift. It was kind of his ritual, you would say, before he left every night. I did not think this night in particular would be any different. Before bed, it was my routine to get a glass of water to have beside my bed. Usually, if I caught my dad before he left for work, he would get a glass for me, since he was already downstairs, near the kitchen. I remember hearing the rocking chair, going back and forth. I thought, yes, he is still here, so I don't have to take my lazy butt all the way downstairs to the kitchen. I began to run down the stairs and call out for my dad. I peek over the railing to look into the living room. What I saw, I will never forget. The rocking chair was moving back and forth and immediately stopped. I look around to see if I can see my dad anywhere, but there's no one downstairs. All the lights are off and not a soul in sight. I ran back up the stairs as fast as I could. Did I really just see what I thought I saw? Was that rocking chair rocking back and forth on its own? No, I thought. Even as a kid, I was always a logical thinker. I wasn't one to believe in the supernatural or things I couldn't make sense of. There had to be a logical reason for this. My dad probably just left the house, hence why the chair was still in motion. No worries. I go back to my bedroom and call my dad. He answers, and I ask, Dad, did you just leave the house for work? I was going to ask you for some water, but just missed you, I guess. What my dad replied, I will never forget. He said, I left an hour ago, you knucklehead. I hung up the phone, a big ball in the pit of my stomach. I remember feeling like I was going to throw up. Yet, I still had to get to the bottom of this. I slowly creeped down the hallway to see if my mom was awake. It had to have been her who just got out of the chair. 
but the loud snoring I heard coming from her bedroom was all I had to hear for confirmation. I ran back to my room as fast as I could, shut the door, and put the covers over my head. I don't remember if I actually slept that night. Thoughts racing in my head, I started to cry. What was in my house? Why did the chair stop as soon as I glanced at it? What or who did not want me seeing them rocking in that chair? Were ghosts real? I am 33 years old now, and I will always think of that day as being the reason I believe in the unknown. There truly are things that go bump in the night. You can catch them when you least expect it from the corners of your eye. Maybe they want to be seen, maybe they don't. What I do know is that what I saw that night was real. What I didn't know then was that night would change what fear meant to me. What I could not explain, what I could not see, what I could not touch, the unknown, was what I would grow up to fear the most. Thank you so much, Danielle, for that submission. That is very eerie. I wonder what you saw that night. Like you said, someone or something. Because part of me would be afraid that it was <laughs> some sort of intruder or something. There's a show, I don't know what platform it's on, but there's also, I believe, a documentary coming out on Hulu. And the show might be on Hulu, but it's about frogging. And if you don't know what frogging is, it's P-H-R-O-G-G-I-N-G, not like an animal, the frog. It's when people secretly live inside your house. They live in your crawl spaces. They live under your counters in your kitchen. And uh, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I was browsing Reddit as I like to do. And I came across a whole like thread about frogging and everything. And uh, yeah, super eerie. In fact, I came across a paranormal post, a post in the subreddit paranormal. And it was this photo that this person... Um, it was a screenshot from their camera in their living room and it was this person like standing over that or like not over them but like near them in the living room while they were asleep on the couch and they were like is this a ghost in my house and honestly most of the comments were like that looks like a dude that looks full-on like some dude looking to frogging and that's when I started looking into it and I mean I've heard you know we've all heard instances like this but um, not to throw totally go off of, you know, topic with you, Danielle, like who knows what this was, but for some reason, because this has been on my mind, it just, it, it made me think of that. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you to all of those of you who submitted stories, uh, or, uh, true stories, you know, and keep sending in those true story submissions. I have a lot more in my little file. But uh, yeah, go ahead and send them to scarytosleep at gmail.com if you've experienced anything eerie, like a time slip or a ghost or even something harrowing that happened to you. We've had a few on the show that have nothing to do with the paranormal. They're just very harrowing stories. If you like the show, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at scarytosleep. Facebook is a group please answer those uh, questions. You can just say podcast, podcast, if you'd like to join the group, just so we know you're not a bot or, um, you know, someone who's going to try to sell people on an MLM or something. So yeah, just answer those questions if you'd like to join the Facebook group and yeah, follow the show everywhere. What else? Oh, there's a Patreon. If you'd like to listen to the show ad free, you can find the show on Patreon 
for as little as $1 a month, you can get ad-free episodes. $3 and up are bonus episodes. And I apologize for my lack of content. I will be doing a lot more there. I just still getting over the, these health issues that I've been having. And thank you so much, though, for bearing with me. Thank you so much. You've all been so amazing. And thank you for all the birthday wishes I received yesterday. I really appreciated it. Yeah, I seriously couldn't ask for a better audience. I really couldn't. I um, made my own birthday cake this year, and it's because I, I don't know, I didn't feel like an actual cake, so I made myself a chocolate cinnamon roll. And you, who, if you've listened to the show long enough, you are familiar. It's a very, it's one of my favorite family recipes. The recipe is available on online too. I've posted it. I wrote it out for everyone and I posted it in like the Facebook group and things. But if you'd like a copy, feel free to let me know. But it's this just giant chocolate cinnamon roll with um, buttercream frosting, or you can do cream cheese or whatever kind of frosting you want. And it is so good. And again, like I said at the top of the show, it's been like gloomy here and just the weather's beautiful. It feels like fall, which is kind of unusual. Usually in LA in September, it still feels pretty summery. And my birthday is pretty frequently in the 90s. And so the fact that it has been gloomy and beautiful has been great. And so a giant chocolate cinnamon roll was all I wanted. I just did not feel like cake. It's also a great dessert for those of you who don't like super sweet things. The frosting is sweet, but you can adjust that if you'd like. But the cinnamon roll itself isn't very sweet, which is what I love. I've The older I get, the more I like more of a balance. Like I... Sometimes I, I'm sad, but I like can't eat Twinkies and Swiss cake rolls anymore, like those little Debbie Swiss cake rolls, because they're so sickeningly sweet to me. And I miss them. I miss tw Twinkies, but I just can't do it. My palate has changed over the years, and I like a lot more balance in my desserts. So if you are like me and you like a little more balance in your desserts and you can't do full like sugar coma stuff, um, then I recommend this dessert if you like sugar, or I mean, if you like sugar, if you like... Uh, the combination of like chocolate and cinnamon as well. So, all right, everyone. Um, I think that's all for this week. I will be back next week. Next week will be the finale of the Obscene series. I'm very excited. I actually started on it this week to give myself some more time. And if you're a fan of the, the series, then yes, this is the finale coming up. You've all been waiting for. And if you haven't listened yet, or if you'd like a, ref a refresher, I recommend taking the time this week to go listen to parts one through three this will be part four and hopefully i maybe i should put them together as like a playlist on spotify or something but they're not hard to find um i'll list when i when the next episode comes out i'll list the episode numbers of episode one through three or yes episodes one through three so you can um, find them more easily if you'd like to listen to them all in a row all in one disgusting gore fest of uh <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. This ending is, it's great. Andrew, my friend Andrew Parker did an incredible job on the finale. I think you're all really going to like it. And I am very excited. I'm sad to not have a reason to do the voice of Atrax anymore, which is a character that was presented in the last segment in part three. I just love doing this like gruff, New York-y, like evil like snuff filmmaker voice there's something about it i just love doing so i'll be sad to say goodbye to him i mean not that sad but <laughs> you know what it is so all right i look forward to that 
new guided nightmare coming out soon and that is going to be should i tell you what it's what the theme is going to be hmm i'll tell you it's going to be pirate themed so look out for that i want to do some also some specialty guided nightmares for the halloween season just like i did last year as well as the kids episode will be coming out um well, the deadline is October 1st, so it'll be coming out sometime after that, the kids' special, and an newest, an, a, a new installment, sorry, words, say the words, a new installment of the Araceli series. Like I've told you, I'm going to have a new one every year. Um, someday I'm going to make them into a book. I think it'd make a really great first novel for me, but this year it's going to be a new installment of Araceli. And... I don't know what else I have in store for Halloween. We'll see. We'll, we'll all see together. Uh, the Halloween season is usually a little oversaturated with um, content. Like my friend John Grills, who makes us all look bad every year. And he does 31 episodes. He does an episode a day through Halloween. So check out Creepy. If you liked my episodes on Creepy, if you want all the Halloween content, during the month of October, John has literally a new episode every single day for creepy it's incredible um check out all the other shows on the bloody fm network uh we're a big happy family around here so yeah go check out all the there's something for everyone there are movie review podcasts there are true paranormal podcasts where they every week talk about real paranormal stories uh there are a lot of fiction audio fiction podcasts like mine um or i guess mine's mine's sort of a mishmash of a lot of things uh can't ever follow the current like everyone else I've always been that way but all right I'm going to go and allow you to enjoy the rest of your evening go get some sleep sweet dreams <laughs>